This is a Federal News Network podcast. House and Senate conferees are working out differences in their respective versions of the National Defense Authorization Act for 2021. They've got a lot to iron out, including a fresh raft of procurement laws. A few of those make sense. Others probably should be scratched, says my next guest. He's Executive Vice President and Counsel at the Professional Services Council, Alan Chavotkin. And Alan, let's start with the procurement provisions in the NDAA, because a few months ago we were thinking maybe there wouldn't be any since the Defense Department hasn't digested all of the ones from previous years. Well, that's absolutely right, Tom. And there's certainly a yin and yang about whether we want more legislation or not. So we are on the side of uh, adopting provisions that the Professional Services Council recommends and opposing those that are working against the contractors. Uh, But both uh, House and Senate bills have some reasonable number of provisions. And there's no killer provisions in here that I saw um, there's some that are, will make it easier for government uh, uh, contractors and actually for the Pentagon to work. So there are a number of provisions uh, to strengthen the defense industrial base, for example. Uh, they, they may seem uh, small, but incremental funding of uh, services contracts is an important element uh, trying to address uh, issues related to the cybersecurity maturity model um, contract closeout, items like that that have uh, real impact on the day-to-day work but uh, certainly don't rise to significant policy issues. We also saw a lot, number of provisions on the uh, increasing for the supply chain uh, and cybersecurity in both the House and the Senate bills. Uh, so those are provisions that can be easily worked. Um, the House has also adopted uh, FedRAMP authorization, uh, it's a bill by Jerry Conley and others to permanently authorize the FedRAMP program. Uh, the program certainly uh, could use some uh, uh, permanent authorization and some clarification. PSE is a supporter of that legislation as well. Yeah, that's an interesting one because the FedRAMP program goes back, what, seven, eight years now, all on its own without any enabling legislation. So this would make sure that nobody could kill it? Well, that's right. But it, it also... Uh, reinforces the government-wide nature of it. So uh, while GSA has the program management and it's working very, very well, uh, lots of companies have uh, gone through that administrative process. Uh, Adding a legislative foundation uh, will strengthen it in its government-wide role, and and we hope that it will streamline some of the processes. It still remains an expensive and challenging role for contractors and then without the uh, ability to have reciprocity, real reciprocity across government agencies. Uh, I, I think the program has uh, sputtered a little bit uh, while tr- trying to address that issue. Which, of course, was the whole point One, of it in the first place. Exactly right. Exactly right. And we, we see these programs, uh, government-wide programs, an effort to try to reduce the uh, individuality. When uh, there's a high degree of commonality. The standards are well understood and uh, at a sufficient level that uh, almost every federal agency should be able to accept uh, FedRAMP certification from another agency or from uh, the FedRAMP program, and that's not the case today. It's similar to some of the conversation that you and I have had over time on security clearances uh, and that same issue of reciprocity and uh, how much individuality do we want agencies to have and how much is uh, is sufficient at the common level. We're continuing to work on those issues as well. In fact, there's another provision in the Senate Defense Authorization Bill 
um, Chairman Rubio and Mark Warner, the ranking member of the Senate Intel Committee, added their Intel authorization bill as an amendment. So uh, we'll have a chance to negotiate some of those. They'll have a chance to negotiate some of those provisions as well. We're speaking with Alan Chavotkin. He is Executive Vice President and Counsel at the Professional Services Council. And what are some of the provisions you would rather they stay away from? Well, I think in, uh, some of the foreign sourcing uh, and restrictions on uh, on contracting uh, that are in uh, both bills uh, are a little problematic. Uh, there's a continued effort to uh, raise the issues around uh, Truth and Negotiations Act and how much uh, data uh, agencies need to uh, contractors need to provide to federal agencies in order for them to make some of the awards. Uh, we see that in the in the House bill. Uh, there's also a number of uh, additional Buy America uh, provisions that um, could have a limit on the amount, on the ability of some companies to uh, to do work uh, with federal agencies, with the Department of Defense in particular. And as the pandemic grinds on, you're also working to make sure that the expiration of Section 3610, which is payment to contractors in the absence of their being physically at work, uh, should not happen, and that maybe Congress would extend that. Tell us what's going on there. Well, that's right. Uh, as you point out, uh, Section 3610 was a provision included in the CARES Act uh, to address a narrow range of contractor employees, those who were denied access to federal facilities because the facilities closed because of COVID and uh, couldn't do work, uh, telework, or uh, perform the work under contract uh, remotely. And so you've got people, yet you don't want to lose those resources. So that exists uh, a lot in the uh, intelligence community. Many of the DOD contracts uh, also require uh, in-presence in order to do work. So 3610 was designed to be a gap filler and to make sure that uh, the contractors were able to retain the workforce necessary uh, and to be called back almost at any time. The provision expires September 30th. It was a temporary provision because of the uh, anticipated end of the coronavirus uh, challenge. Uh, But we now see that the agencies are slower to return employees, federal employees, to uh, facilities and so too with contractors. And so we've been a proponent of extending that date through December 31st. Uh, We hope that we'll see the turn the corner around this, but uh, we'd hate to lose the ability for contractors to hold on to those employees after September 30. So that's the the recommendation. We sent a letter to Congress last week, uh, another letter uh, asking for uh, coverage. We had hoped to be able to see an amendment added to the Senate version of the National Defense Authorization Bill, uh, but that was not included. So our next uh, focus is the... uh, uh, the next round of um, uh, COVID-19 recovery legislation. And finally, there's some real action on a federal budget, at least in the House, for 2021, something I think everyone would welcome them finishing on time. Well, we certainly would, and uh, on both of those, uh, welcome the action and hopefully be able to finish on time before the start of the fiscal year on October 1st. Last week, the House passed a mini four-bill package, some of the smaller legislation, uh, this week, the House is going to take up a $1.3 trillion package. Seven of the uh, regular 12 appropriations bills will be included. 
including for uh, funding for the Department of Defense, the Department of Health and Human Services, the two largest appropriations bills, which is why the numbers crank up so quickly. Um, there are lots of amendments that have been filed. Over 110 have already been filed for uh, just on the Department of Defense bill alone and then a dozens for uh, each of the other legislation. Controversy around the Department of Homeland Security and a lot of policy issues there. Uh, that bill may be stripped out. And then the 12th bill that's still yet to be uh, addressed is the legislative branch, the smallest of the appropriations, uh, but it also has its controversy. I'm confident that the House will pass the bill, but the Senate has taken no action on any of the appropriations process, any of the appropriations bills just yet. Uh, so uh, kudos to the House for moving forward, but there's still a long way to go before, between uh, uh, House action and uh, enactment by the president. Deja vu all over again. Alan Chavotkin is Executive Vice President and Counsel at the Professional Services Council. As always, thanks so much. Always my pleasure, Tom. Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. Ricola. It's in our nature. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.